If you would find in your Bibles Luke chapter 9, we're going to be reading verses 28 through 36, Luke chapter 9. Come on home. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you for that. Come on home to Jesus. It's where we need to be. Good to see you today. We appreciate you coming and uh, being a part of our worship service. Always glad to see folks we hadn't seen in a while back in worship. Good to see you. Some who have been come back to town to stay, some who've come back to town just for a little bit, but uh, and some who are back now today, we, we're glad to see you always. But thank you for your faithfulness. Early on when we started uh, coming back to worship service, I was afraid it's going to be like at the ball games. We're going to pipe in some congregational singing, some amens, and maybe some such. And still an amen piped in would be okay every now and then. But uh, but we appreciate you being here. Appreciate your faithfulness we're, because it does take a little bit of uh, a little bit of motivation I guess you know want to be highly motivated to come and be apart and understand we're going to be together but apart still and but we appreciate you making the effort to be able to do that we're still having what we've been called last few years family and friend day next Sunday lots of things happening you heard the announcements they're there in your bulletin as well but family and friend days are Thanksgiving service we'll have some special testimonies and music and uh we normally would have a uh, covered dish Thanksgiving meal, but all things considered that uh, we will not be having that. Well, we will be observing the Lord's Supper, and uh, so you want to come and be a part of that, and we appreciate those also. Don't let me forget to say those who are watching us live stream, and if you want to be prepared for Lord's Supper. As a matter of fact, we've got the elements already. We don't have them passing them out. We've just been leaving them, of course, and if you want to pick up an element before so you might be able to have one at home, if you know that you're going to be home next Sunday, you can do that. Otherwise, crackers and juice will do, and it'll be okay, and you can observe with your family at home if you're not here. But if you're here, just come on, make the effort, come and be with us. We've got some safe places still, particularly in our first service, overflow rooms for a second service, so we'll be, be ready for that. And uh, we're in Luke chapter 9, beginning reading in verse 28 and following. This now is the word of God. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we're here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came over and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. Last week, the title of the sermon was Close Friends of Jesus. And we talked about some close friends of Jesus. You might remember there was Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. And we learned a lot about the awesome power of the Lord Jesus who has the power to raise the dead and also the power to give us new life and resurrected life. Well, as part of our series of coming closer to Jesus than ever before and close to Him. And, uh, and so today we talk about not just close friends of Jesus, but maybe closer friends of Jesus as we talk about 
Peter, James, and John in the experience that along with as, as part of his inner circle. And we find and we read here today perhaps one of the most magnificent displays of Christ's glory on earth prior to the resurrection. So you're invited today to be a friend of Jesus, but not just a friend of Jesus. You're invited to be a close friend of Jesus. And you're invited today and even today to be a closer friend of Jesus than ever before, should that be your desire, whether it's your desire right now or even by the time we come to the conclusion of our time together today. Just so there's no mistake, I have I've put this phrase in your notes without a blank to fill so that you'll not miss the central idea of the message today. The closer you get, the more like Jesus. The closer that you are to Jesus and the closer you come to Jesus, the more faith you put in him, the more Christ-like you'll become. I've said and I've repeated it before, it is that uh, stop trying so much to be good, but instead seek after God and then godliness will follow. You, you've probably known some people who've become followers of Jesus and they've made a drastic change in their life immediately. You may be one of those people. That is that they've come to know Christ and it's like a light has turned on and they've made a drastic change and a drastic turn in their life. The Apostle Paul was like that. You remember he was on his way down the Damascus Road. Here he was, a Jewish Pharisee. He was on his way to stamp out Christianity single-handedly if that's what it took. But we know that Christ appeared to him on that road, spoke to him, a light shined. He was blinded for a while and the Lord changed him. And he went from being a religious zealot into being a missionary servant of the Lord Jesus, one of the greatest missionaries, of course, certainly in the first century, still growing in Christ, no doubt, but he became a closer friend of Jesus. It's a, uh, here we have an example of one who was a closer friend of Jesus after the resurrection. My impression for most of the disciples, though they lived and followed Jesus during his three-year ministry before he was crucified, the change for them seems to be more gradual. The more they experience Christ, the greater their faith become. And then we find them much stronger after the resurrection. The ratio of Paul's dramatic change versus the 12, really 11, since one was Judas, may tell me that most people's change is gradual. doesn't mean that change doesn't begin the moment that you accept Christ or that you meet him. And if yours was a dramatic change, then you're, you know that you're still never finished. But we're always growing closer and closer to make us more like Christ. So that there will be change. Well, what kind of change? There'll be change. Like less lust and more love. Like being less greedy and more generous. Or being less self-centered and more Savior and salvation focused. Now, in the ministry of Jesus here with three of his disciples, this was a significant one-time event that took place, the transfer, transfiguration of Jesus and him talking to Moses and Elijah. I mean, think about these disciples and the things that they experienced with Jesus. And there were lots of things that they experienced with Jesus. I would imagine the transfiguration had to be right on up there of one of the most significant. Somewhere under the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, you understand, but... My guess it might be under the top five things that they experienced with Jesus, these particular disciples. I want you to notice if you've got your Bibles open, we read in verse 28, look at the verse right above that, Luke chapter 9 and verse 27. Jesus was talking to the disciples about the things that would occur. 
And he tells the disciples, he said, there will be some of you that will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And perhaps he was talking to Peter, James, and John. The transfiguration was a demonstration of the power of the kingdom of God. And then a few verses above that, Luke chapter 9 and verse 22. Jesus began to tell his disciples that the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem. And there he would be turned over and he would suffer and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now they continued to talk to one another about what Jesus meant, about what he meant to be raised from the dead. Eight days after this promise, the three of the inner circle go, they go up with Jesus onto a mountain. We read just a moment ago in order that they might pray. Now, be sure we don't miss the significance of the reason in which they went up on the mountain because as we talk about being closer to Jesus than ever before growing in Christ, without a regular prayer life, without spending time with Jesus, having this daily and consistent prayer, your process of growing in Christ will never be where it should be. And while Jesus was praying, did you notice what the disciples were doing? They were sleeping it would not be the last time that they fell asleep during prayer. And it certainly probably was not the first, but it said that while Jesus was praying, he was transfigured. Verse 29 says that his appearance was altered. Now understand this story is told in three of the four Gospels, also told in Matthew and Mark. And in order for us to get all of the details of the things that happen or all that they tell us, we get more details in each of the Gospels. So we're going to talk some more about what others we've chosen Luke for this morning. But in Matthew and Mark, the word that is used instead of altered is the word transfigured, which is the reason, probably if you're looking at your Bible, it's got the transfiguration right above there as a title perhaps to this paragraph. Well, the same form of that word is used in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, as well as 1 Corinthians, the word transformed, which means to change, a metamorphosis that takes place from within it would be used to describe what happens to a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly or a sinner like you and me who have met Christ and a change has taken place within because of God's grace and because you've placed your faith in Jesus. But in the case of Christ, he needed no change on the inside, so this is not the same as the transformation that takes place within us. But in this case, we find Jesus' body was transfigured. It was a glimpse into the glory of Jesus as a reminder that he is God. Always has been, always will be. We read, his face shined like the sun, his clothes became dazzling white. Elijah is there, and Moses is there. The disciples awake to see the sight of a brilliant, shining Jesus. And not only the shining Jesus, but these two beyond legendary Old Testament servants of God. And like old friends, they're carrying on a conversation. They're talking to one another, at least for a moment or two. We can't imagine, we don't know this, but if the disciples are waking up from asleep, don't you imagine, at least for a moment, in my imagination, they're thinking, am I still asleep or is this thing really happening? And then it says, the Bible says, they were, full, they were heavily asleep. And then when they were fully awoke, they realized it's Jesus. His body is being glorified in Moses and Elijah we're there, and they're talking to Jesus. Anybody got questions as you read this? Here's mine. Here's mine. I've got questions if you don't, so I will ask them. How did they know who was who? I mean, do you think they came down maybe with some heavily name tags that said, hello, my name is Mo, or my name is Eli. I wonder how they knew 
who was Moses and who, because hundreds and 1,500 years for one, hundreds of years for another since uh, Moses and Elijah had been on earth. We might imagine Moses, maybe he was there with the white beard and he's carrying the staff and maybe got stone tablets tucked under and that would say, well, surely that's Moses. Here was Elijah, he was the one who known to wear, like John the Baptist, camel hair clothing and eat locust, whether he had some with him or not, we don't know. But So we don't know exactly how they knew who was who. I do believe in heaven, we will all know one another. And having read this, it may be not so much that our thinking is better, may have something to do with our appearance in a heavenly way that we don't know for sure. But I would caution you on this. Let's not, we're not to develop a theology of the afterlife or even all of heaven based solely on this one unique experience. The second question would be, why is, why is it Moses and Elijah? For one, they both had mountaintop experiences. You remember Moses seemed like his life was going up and down mountains. He was up on the mountain for the burning bush. He was back up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. He was up on the mountain when he was put in the cleft of the rock and the glory of God passed before him. Elijah, do you many stories about Elijah? Well, I'm not sure how many we've preached with this pulpit, but you hang around. We're going to preach some of them. But Elijah, the one that I remember the most is the one to where he's standing before all the prophets of Baal. He calls down from God or prays that God will send fire down on the mountain. And fire comes down on the mountain proving that there is only one God. But why Moses and Elijah? Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. And they're talking. Well, what in the world are they talking about? The Bible says, we read, and it's just said in Luke what they were talking about. They're talking about his departure. And the word for departure there just happens to be, at least for Moses' account, the same word for exodus. They're talking about his exodus, which includes what? Death, burial, resurrection, the ascension. They're coming to the time that he's going to do all the things for which he has come to do and going to be taken on the cross. All of our sins will be placed upon him. He'll rise again and he will ascend back to heaven. But Moses and Elijah, because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, he's, they're giving endorsement that this is the one for which has been foretold. Here's what I want you to do, though. You've got some notes, and I want you to notice the responses of those who were on the mountain that day. And then we'll talk about our own response as well. First of all, I want you to notice Peter's response. Peter, James, and John were often privy to some of the events that the other, the other disciples were not. They were at the raising of Jairus' daughter. They were at the event. They were up in the garden, you might remember, before Jesus, the night before Jesus was arrested. Uh, before he was arrested. And here they are at the transfiguration as well. It was probably more than they were just teacher's pets. They probably were really closer to Jesus than any of the other disciples, maybe than anybody else on earth. But most assuredly, Jesus was preparing them for servant leadership roles they have. When Peter saw Jesus transfigured and Moses and Elijah, he said, Lord, it's good that we are here. Why don't I make three tents or three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? Do you know why he said that? I have no idea. In fact, it says he had no idea. He didn't know what he was saying. In fact, in Mark chapter, in Mark's version of this, it tells us that, for he did not know what to say. 
<laughs> the reason he said it, for they were terrified. Now, what should you do most of the time when you do not know what to say? Stuff your mouth with a Snickers, I think, probably might be some good advice. My, my wife's grandmother always was known for some of her sayings, and we've repeated some of those. One of those, I, I'm sure I've shared some of those with you before, one of those is a place for everything and everything in its place. I'm sure she didn't make it up, but she was just known for repeating that, something that she said. I guess she wanted everything to be tidy. But this one she might have made up. And this one is that she often would say, she said, you can't do anything about the way you look, but you can keep your mouth shut. Well, that's always good advice. and uh, Give Peter some credit. Look at Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. You find another familiar part of something that happened when Jesus, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And Jesus, the disciples said, well, some people say, think you're Elijah. Some people think you're one of the prophets or John the Baptist. And then Jesus asked, well, who do you say that I am? In verse 20, Peter said, you're the Christ. In the other translation, other, one of the other gospels, you're Christ, son of the living God. So here's a side lesson from Peter's response. No one to speak up and no one to hush up. And uh, sometimes that's only by the Holy Spirit. Now this was an incredible event. It is the mountaintop of mountaintop experiences and Peter speaks before he thinks. Let's build a tabernacle for each of you and we'll stay right here. This is, this is so good. Let's not go anywhere else. Let's just stay right here on top of the mountain. Now, a couple of things wrong with what Peter said. One of those was that to say to make a tent or a tabernacle for each one puts Moses and Elijah on the same plane with Jesus. And we know, of course, that Jesus is much greater than Moses and Elijah. He's not just much greater, but he is other than. This event declares his glory and greatness and not theirs. But also, mountaintop experiences can be great, but we can't stay on the mountain. There's work to be done in the valley that is too important. Peter gave an emotional response, but he's going to learn a practical lesson. Sometimes, even in worship services like these, we can come in here and we can have a wonderful time singing, sharing together, and we think how wonderful it is to be in our holy huddle. Why can't we just stay right here and everything stay just like it is now? Happens sometimes in worship services and fellowships, Bible studies. We hardly ever have a mountaintop experience in a business meeting, but it happens in other places like that. We think, well, why can't we just stay right here? But the problem is there's too much work to be done. Too many things that we need to take care of that the Lord has for us. But these mountaintops experiences prepare us for going into the marketplace and sharing and revealing the glory and the love of God. These are glimpses of His glory. Even as we come to place times such as this, even times like today. And one day we will see Jesus in all His glory. Meanwhile, there's work to be done. And just as Jesus' work was not yet done, he's heading toward Jerusalem and the cross. His mission prevented him from staying on the mountain. Nor is our work complete as we take up the cross and follow him. The fact that Peter spoke too soon became evident, for the event was not over. Verse 35 records the heavenly Father's response. While Peter was still speaking, a voice was heard from the cloud that would overshadow them. Do you think 
Peter, whether he realized what he's saying was not appropriate, maybe thought to himself, thank goodness somebody interrupted. It just happened to be it was the voice of the Heavenly Father from heaven who came in the clouds. Clouds came and overshadowed them. Now, you know clouds in the Old Testament often represented, not just the Old Testament, but in the Bible represented God. We know that cloud represented God and uh, led the Israelites in the wilderness. We know that the cloud would represent God when he was in the tabernacle or when he was in his holy temple. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, speaking of what's going to happen, that uh, Jesus will be coming in the clouds of heaven with power and all glory. And from this cloud the Father spoke. Now each of the three gospel writers have a slightly different version of what their father said. Mark chapter 9 and verse 7 says, This is my beloved son, listen to him. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5 says, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. Luke chapter 9, we read just a moment ago, This is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. So, as we read that, what did the voice of heaven actually say? You know, this is a, this is a good lesson in, uh, in Bible study and Bible interpretation. Because as you come to stories like this, sometimes they're told several times in the Gospels with different details. Well, which one of them is correct? All of them. So what was spoken, this was a summary of all the things that was said. This is my son, this is my beloved son. Uh, he is the chosen one, Luke tells us. He is the one who is anointed. And let there be no doubt who he is. And you need to listen to him. Do these words sound familiar to you? Boy, they're, they're the same or they're similar to what the Heavenly Father said at Jesus' baptism some almost three years prior to this. And they represent some of the same things that the Baptism represented for Jesus because he was looking forward to his mission that was going to happen and the mission still going to happen. It's the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus that was taking place and still from the moment that Jesus was baptized he was declaring his mission to die for our sins, be buried and rise again and now this final stretch before the cross the Heavenly Father declares similar words, encouragement to the Son, but particularly admonishment and command to the disciples and to all of whom they will share these words of this event, including you and me. This is Jesus. He's the beloved Son. He's the chosen one. Listen to Him. Why again? For this, because faith is evident when you heed and follow the voice of Jesus. Faith is evident when you heed and follow the voice of Jesus. Again, in worship and during our mountaintop experience, we experience many emotion. But the difference in singing together in worship and going, and let's say, to your favorite rock, country, or other musical concert. Well, you can go to secular concerts sometimes and maybe sometimes feel some of the same joy and the same jubilation that you feel in worship. Maybe even more so at times, you think, at least emotionally. But what's the difference? Well, the difference in worship is that Jesus always takes center stage. And faith is demonstrated not in the feeling, but in the following during and after the experience. It's easy to have faith on the mountain. Obeying Jesus when it's hard shows great faith. Are, are you catching all of this? Listen, there's another response we want to talk about. Let's talk about the disciples' response as a whole. All three disciples 
fell to the ground when they heard the voice of God. I mean, my goodness, what's happening here? Oh, are we talking about this like this is a for real event that really took place? We are. Can you imagine how overwhelming it was that these disciples, that here they were, they had woken to find Jesus and his body and his clothes glorified, and then he see, they see Moses and Elijah, the walking, talking dead, but they're not dead now, are they? They're alive because Jesus is the Lord of the living. And the cloud comes and overshadows them, and then they see all of this, but they have not fallen to the ground yet. Instead, it is the voice of God that brings them to the ground where they fall and they cover their faces. Listen, holy fear is the beginning of wisdom and true transformation. Holy fear is the beginning of wisdom and true transformation. God does not want us to be terrified of Him. We're instructed to come before His throne with confidence and boldness, but with holy respect which allows our hearts and our lives to be truly transformed as they should be. You think Peter, James, and John ever had a problem giving all respect to the Lord after this event? It certainly helped them to understand the holy fear of God, and it should us. Now, notice Jesus' response. Jesus' response. We can only imagine what the disciples were thinking and feeling. Uh, many people in the Bible, maybe including also Moses and Elijah, thought that after they had experienced God that they were about to die because they've been in their presence. And here are the disciples. They probably would have stayed prostrated on the ground. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 7 says this. Jesus came and touched them and said, Rise and do not fear. And they looked up. Who did they see when they looked up? Only Jesus. In fact, in the original language, it's kind of emphatic. No one but Jesus only. As if to say it's all about Jesus. He's with you on the mountain. He's with you when you're coming down the mountain. He's with you when you're in the valley. He's working to transform your life to make you more like Him, a useful vessel to be able to comprehend more of Himself. And we, find, we might find it curious that as they were walking down the mountain, we told in the gospel says they're coming down Jesus tells them don't tell anybody about this event yet at least not until after the resurrection Luke tells us that they kept their word they did not tell anybody uh, but it gives us a clue perhaps of why Jesus often asked others sometimes after a miracle he'd heal somebody sometimes and he said now don't tell anybody about this and that always seemed curious to us does it not but to tell about these things that were happening before the cross and the resurrection would lead them more and more people to desire and think of Jesus as a different kind of Messiah than what for what he came. And oftentimes we've told them not to tell, they still told. So oftentimes they thought of Jesus as a different kind of Messiah. But in this case, we find the disciples did not tell. But we need to look at this event and be able to understand that every event that we go through, tough times or tragic events in light of what Jesus has done for us, asking what it is that Jesus can do, what it is that's happening in the world today, how can Jesus use it for his mission? And asking the question, how is he going to use us? What is it that we can do to be a part of what God is doing? For those of you who are believers in the Lord Jesus, you've had an experience with Jesus. You have. If you know Christ, you've, 
you've had a miraculous experience. Maybe not to this extent, but you have received a glimpse of his glory. You've read about it in the Bible. You have felt it, and you know it in your heart. And even worship services such as today gives us a glimpse of his glory. And some of these things are foreshadowing of what we will do in heaven. Peter, James, and John, some of the closest friends of Jesus, experienced more of Jesus than they ever had before. That should be true, and it should be our aim every day. Every time we come into his presence, whether it be alone or whether it be with other people, that we're experiencing more of Christ, that we're coming closer to him than we ever have before. But one of the big differences between that event and these events that we have, such as worship service, your own time with Christ, is that Jesus would not tell us to wait to tell others. There is a time to be bold. There is a time to boldly share, and the time is now. Luke tells us that Peter, James, and John followed Jesus' instructions. It didn't tell this event after the resurrection. The story's told in three of the four Gospels. It's also told in Peter's second letter. Peter, he was there. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were not there, but they must have heard them tell the story before they wrote it down. Mark probably was writing for Peter anyway. And so we find also in 1 Peter chapter 1, second, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, it says this. It says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You think he's talking about the mountain? We'll read verse 17. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son for whom I am well pleased. Well, is he talking about the baptism or is he talking about what took place on the mountain? Verse 18, we ourselves heard this very voice born from above for we were with him on this holy mountain. I think Peter and John must have talked about this event a lot after the resurrection, this personal thing that happened to them told four times in the New Testament along with telling about the cross and the resurrection. If you're a disciple of Christ, you will want to tell about your personal event with Jesus along with the cross and the resurrection. And you want to tell it as often as possible. And as you tell it, it may not be as dramatic as what we're reading here, but it's your story and you want to tell about the difference that Jesus has made in your life and what he means to you today. If you do not have a personal story, it is my prayer today that if you're listening or you're here today, that today will be the day that you ask Christ to be the Savior, Lord, and King of your life and put Him in charge of your heart and your today and your tomorrow and your eternal life so that you also will have a story to tell. Now we've talked about Peter's response and the Heavenly Fathers and the disciples, even Jesus. There's one response left. What is your response? Today you, you read about the transfiguration. It's just a story. Unless you have experienced Jesus for yourself. We might have a hard time imagining the scene the disciples saw on the mountain. Now, Mark's gospel helps us a little bit. Mark chapter 9 and verse 3 perhaps says, And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. 
I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. The passage where it says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Speaking of white clothes, I am wearing a white shirt today, but I, I don't know this to be true, but I might have the dirtiest neck in Auburn. Now, some of you are thinking I have the reddest neck for sure, but... But it doesn't matter how many times I wash or take it to the cleaners. White shirts like this, you come by tomorrow, I'll show it to you. They still remain dirty or tan. I don't understand why they can't get them clean. But you know, preachers see illustrations in just about everything. But all doesn't it remind us that there's nothing we can do about the sin in our life. There's nothing anybody can do save the blood of Jesus we talk about the blood of Jesus, we're talking about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We were sinners. He was perfect. He is perfect. He's the only one who is worthy. And he willingly took our sins to the cross so that our sins might be washed away, so that we might be made clean, so that we might be made righteous before him. We're, he was willing to take upon our punishment and all who place their faith in Jesus and repent and ask for forgiveness, will be saved, forgiven, and experience Jesus. For not only can you experience a glimpse of the glory of Jesus, but if you allow him to and follow him, he will transform your life. I want to make sure that you understand the difference. The difference between transfigured or transfigured, transition and transformation. It's not in your notes, but we'll just talk about it for just a moment. Jesus was transfigured. It's what happened to him. His physical body was changed, the body that he was given while he was here on earth. He did not need changing on the inside. One day also we will receive a new glorious body, all those who are in Christ. One day we will have a change in appearance, thank goodness. And then also, there's that word transition, not necessarily used here, but we're all going through transition. I'm pretty sure that's what they're trying to do in Washington, D.C. There's going to be a change of regime. Have you had to make any transitions this year? Chances are you probably have. But regardless of what transitions that you may have to make, sometimes through no power of your own or because of nothing that you have done, we know that Christ still is in control. And God is at work to draw you close to Him. May 2020 be a year that you look back and you say, because of the things that happened this year, because of the things that are happening today, I'm closer to Jesus than I have ever been. Then we got the word transformation. That's a change that happens from within. It, begins, it began the moment that you accepted Jesus or begins when you do accept Christ if you've not already. It's a change that's needed that you might become more like Christ. If you don't see a need to change from the inside out, it probably is not going to happen. It also will not happen if you do not desire to change and that motivation happens the closer we draw to Jesus. So I want to know, are, are you interested are you interested in experiencing transformation in your life? Transformation that even as believers we're still going through, by the way, if you've not caught it already. If you're interested and you have your notes in front of you, it may be that you want to fill out this blast blank, maybe just as maybe a little bit of a commitment in first person. I want the transformation to begin or to continue or to be renewed in my life. 
Now, you may want to circle one of those. It may be that you want to circle the word begin, that you want the transformation to begin in your life if you don't know Christ, but you'd like to accept Him today as your Savior and Lord. We're going to pray here in just a moment and give you that opportunity. If you'd like to begin that transformation, it may be just you circle that. Maybe you don't have notes in front of you. Maybe you want to uh, um, just think of, give, make that commitment in your heart and mind. Maybe it is that you want to continue. That is, you're seeking to walk with Christ. You want to walk forward with Him. You want to con- you're seeking to grow in Christ. We're not, none of us are perfect at it, but if you're, hopefully this is a day of encouragement and you want to circle the word continue. Or maybe today you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, but you know that it needs to be renewed in your life. You know that you've been away from the Lord and you need to come closer to Him, but you're not pursuing Him. So let me encourage you, maybe circle the word renew. Let's pray about those things. Christ Jesus, as we come to you today, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come once again and be able to worship you. Father, I pray if there's one listening today or one here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that it may be the transformation might begin in their life. If you need for that transformation to begin in your life, would you pray this prayer silently while I pray? Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for me and rose again. So I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and ask Christ to come in to be my Lord and Savior today. If you need to continue, you're seeking after Christ, may this just be a day of encouragement for you. You might want to pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my Savior. Help me to continue to strive to draw closer to you and to live for you and show faith, even during difficult times. In Christ's name I pray. If you're here today and you feel like you've been not pursuing the Lord and you've been away from Him, you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, but you know you're not where you need to be, you might want to pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for being my Savior. Forgive me where I have fallen short. I pray today that I might renew my commitment to you. I pray today that I might come closer to you than I've been before. Help me to walk with you today and this week and in the days to come. Be your representative. Christ's name, I pray. Father, we lift these prayers. We believe there's a prayer for everyone here. For all of us today and we pray Father you have heard many prayers today and we thank you Father that we can come to you boldly and we thank you for hearing us it's in Christ's name we pray